1: This is December 1st, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome into Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinofsky. I hope you guys are having a great day. Had a great Thanksgiving. Welcome to the holiday season, though. This is the holidays. Christmas lights start to go up. Hanukkah is celebrated, uh, or whatever holiday you guys celebrate, uh, whether it be Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. I don't know. Celebrate anything. Um, but that is this time of year and that is crazy. Uh, and I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I will say it. This season does not feel the same without hockey. I'll say it. I'll say it. No problem saying it. Unfortunately, that the season is not the same without, uh, without hockey doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, doesn't feel like anything. Typically, you know, you have the Black Friday Bruins game. The Bruins always have a game on like December 23rd at home, usually, or December 22nd at home. And they always like dominate right before Christmas, and it's great. Uh, but that obviously probably will not be happening this year. And that's, and it's weird. It's, I, I just can't wrap my head around it. The fact that there's just like, you know, nothing going on. Um, so in this episode, Connor Ryan and I get into, uh, the Athletic did power rankings for the future. And the Bruins did not do so well on that power ranking. Now, the Athletic is not the end-all be-all, but they they did kind of spark some conversation. So Connor and I had it. And then we also uh, we, we had a living tribute to Johnny Boychuk as, as he retired uh, last week. So before we get to the episode, uh, NFL football continues on, as always, which has a few surprise teams at the top of the standings. And you might not be at a game this year, You can still be on the action at Bet Online. No matter how schedules change or players that play, Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts, and Mine I add the the I say the Bruins, the Patriots won on Sunday, so maybe you're feeling kind of hey, let's make a bet the Patriots make the playoffs. Maybe today is that day you do it. So at any rate, go there now to do all that. Bet online is great, I love them. Uh, and so, without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan, Connor. What is up?
0: Nothing much, man. What's going on with you?
1: Nothing much with me either. How was your Thanksgiving?
0: It was swell. Small, uh, not like usual Thanksgiving, but uh, still had a, a good assortment of food. Uh, I think we talked on Poke the Bear about our favorite food, and all of it was there. The mac and cheese was there, which I know mm-hmm. is kind of a controvert, not maybe not controversial, right? But it's it's one that's people aren't really sometimes used to having mac and cheese, but you know, I think I. I compared it to kind of how people compare Die Hard to a Christmas movie. Like, it's not really, but are you really going to have someone, like, you know, get into an argument with you about it being a Christmas movie? Because it's just a great movie overall. If someone starts playing that, you know, at a Christmas party, you're not going to, like, cause a fight over. You're not going to have an uproar, right? Yeah, I
1: feel like with, most, like with most festive parties a lot of times, like, if it was a Christmas – so, all right, this is so off the cuff, but – If someone brought up, like, Step Brothers at a Christmas party, I'd watch it. I wouldn't be like, oh, it has to be a Christmas movie. No, it could be a good movie, too.
0: No, it's you know, it's something that's, like, you know, enjoyable, right? That's what you're not, like, you know, you're not playing, like, Saving Private Ryan or something to, like, set set the tone at a holiday party, but. Playing um,
1: 1917 at a Christmas party. Yeah,
0: exactly, yeah. You know, I don't think you can kind of go wrong with. With uh, a movie like that and a, and a holiday party, so, same as you can't really go wrong with mac and cheese at Thanksgiving. So I had a- well, what's mac-
1: fu- funny is I can find you someone because if you remember, I was kind of with you on this. Mac and cheese does make sense among everything, but um, we, after we were all eating, my mom said to us, do, "Do you guys know of anyone who eats mac and cheese with Thanksgiving?" I I saw this on like Facebook and and I couldn't believe it. I'd never heard of that. And I was like, yeah, I know a ton of people who do mac and cheese. And my sister was like, yeah, a ton of my friends do mac and cheese. And she's like, well, I've just never done mac and cheese. I don't think that makes any sense. So I did find someone who was uh, kind of like, what the hell? So might, might be that old school kind of generation um, yeah. of no mac and cheese. They just, they, you know, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. And in some ways, I guess it doesn't, but a lot of people do do it. So, I mean, whatever, you know, you can eat whatever. I have a friend, I had a friend on Thanksgiving who had chicken parm. Who they they had an Italian place cater their uh Thanksgiving meal. Fine. So be you it. You, enjoy
0: You know what you do you. That's that's enjoy at Thanksgiving. I just having a bunch of food. So just go with whatever works, right?
1: Exactly. Everybody needs to be libertarian on Thanksgiving when it comes to food. You just let, you know, people eat what they want. Um but at any rate Uh, there is some hockey talk to get to. Uh, no recent news. I'm not gonna sit here and be like, there's, if you stay tuned to the last minute, there's breaking news. Like, you know how those YouTube channels, like, uh, those YouTube channels that are like all clickbait, the first like 30 seconds will be like, someone reacting like, oh my god, oh whoa! And then, like, (laughs) it cuts to the intro, and then it's like, you know, watch this 35 minute video to find out why the guy did that. Uh, and it's it's that's,
0: something, and it's something that's not important. It's like the the doordash driver got lost for five minutes. Like the yeah. the car like flipped behind and went like the other way for a second. Like it's not anything that's actual actual consequence. Usually in the YouTube videos.
1: It's funny that that I was sometimes like in the mornings if I'm laying in bed I'll kind of go down like YouTube rabbit holes and uh there, there was that fight the other night between Jake Paul and and Nate Robinson and so I started to look into obviously I I know who Jake Paul is like I I you know. I, I, I never watched his videos, but I always knew who he was. Um, but there's this family and this annoyed me. There's this family with these two kids or three kids, excuse me. And the oldest is like six and his name's Titus and they call him mini Jake Paul. And like, that's why they're famous. And like, I just saw like, they moved into like a mansion house. Um, and it's just like, I I hate that side of YouTube. I hate those people. Um, I really don't like them because it's like you're just exploiting your kids. Uh, you're just like, this is what little kids are watching. They're watching you guys and you're depressing the shit out of them because you're like, hey, look at our huge house. Like, oh my God, look at our son. He has blonde hair. He must be mini Jake Paul. Um, it's just those people are, are the worst. I, I, I go off on a, on a tangent there. But nonetheless, nonetheless despite my rant, uh, The Athletic did come out with – the athletic likes to do these like fun little stories in slow times like these. Uh, and they came out with power rankings for the 2023-24 season, which is what? That is four seasons from now. So it's a yeah. good amount of time away. Um, but also will come quick. Think of like 2016-17 and then think of like 2019-20. Came quick. Yeah. Um, so the athletic ranked the Bruins 21st in total ranking among all the teams. I don't know where they put Seattle, actually. I didn't look where they put Seattle, but who knows? No. So they put them at 21st. Um, they ranked everyone on a scale to, I think, 10. So they ranked, like, young core and prospects, management and coaching, ownership and market, and salary cap situation. You will not be surprised to hear that what killed the Bruins in this ranking was young core and prospects. Not good enough. Now, do you agree with that? Do you think, I mean, they gave them a 2.7? That's in the red zone, which for the athletic is, or in this power rankings, is terrible. Do you agree with this?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a viable concern when you look kind of beyond what you're going to have with this core in place here. I mean, four years down the road, you have to imagine that. Uh, Obviously, Char will be gone. Uh, I mean, you would think Char will be. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, Bergeron, don't really know there. I mean, if he's not. Retire, he's kind of, you know, on his last couple of seasons at that point. He's not the, the one C that you, 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 at least you hope he's not put in that role, you know, four years down the road. Um, Krejci, again, free agent at the end of this year. Who knows what happens there? Rask, like, you know, the, the Bruins have a, a couple of good pieces to build, you know, on going forward, whether it be, you know, Dave Pasternak Um, I think would be up for a new contract by then. So who knows how much he's getting paid and, how much he is eating up that cap space going forward. But, you know, you have Pasternak, you have Charlie McAvoy. I mean, you've got good pieces in place. It's just are there too many kind of deficiencies across the roster Um that, you know, just kind of in terms of the sum of its parts kind of, kind of hurts this team down the road because, you know, it's not like you need well, it would be great, but if Jackson Neek and John Beecher are your one and two down the middle for the next 10 years, that'd be great. But uh, you know, you, you have to hit, you know, hit a home run with both those guys, but you also have, to have so many other guys pan out well. I mean, is Mason, uh, Mason Lowry a, a potential top four guy? You know, you have to see how he's doing. You have to. Phil um, Kuntar. BC. Yeah. Like, I mean, you got those guys. You've got, um, you know, Trent Frederick, is he like a, you know, a bottom six kind of, you know, legitimate guy who can fit into a role? There? There's Jeremy Swayman's game translate to the pros, like you hope he, he does after the year he had down in Maine. So, you know, there's, there's pieces that you look at and you want to project down the road that if they hit their level of, you know, being legitimate NHL players, then you have to be somewhat encouraged, right? It's not like it's, you know, completely doom and gloom, but it's still a big ask to hope that they hit on, you know, you need to hit on five or six guys in the span of a couple of years to at least keep this team rolling. And again, there's other ways that Brunson kind of take advantage of kind of the, the financial climate they're in. I mean, you've got a whole bunch of money coming off the books next year and, you know, who knows what, you know, happens in, in the coming years in terms of, who else will be a free agent that they can get? I mean, you probably looked at the Bruins in 05 after they traded Joe Thornton. I right? bet if the athletic ranking came out, you'd probably be like, holy shit, Bruins are going to be trash for the next 10 years. 30th. Yeah, it was a horrible trade for Joe Thornton. Uh, Bergeron's a good young player, but the decor is a mess. Um, you know, they've got uh, – you know, you don't really know who's going to be the guy in net. Is Tim Thomas this, like, journeyman guy the, who they're rolling with? Like, you, you probably look at that 05 team. You'd be like, what the hell is going on going forward with this club? And then they have some cap room, they sign Char, which again, it's not like you just gotta pick up a Char off the street. Char is arguably the best free agent signing in NHL history. But um it just goes to show you what can change in a, a couple of years if uh, you know, whether it be just uh free agent signing or two and just a couple of prospects, you know, you hitting on a couple of prospects. You know it's not like you're hoping uh you know jacob, La- La- jacob lauco becomes uh, a Marchand and something like that right but you know you've got to have a whole, whole lot that goes your way but um it's kind of the challenge of projecting down the road is that yeah the bruins need a lot of these prospects to hit but again a whole bunch of stuff can change over the span of a couple of years that can kind of change the trajectory of a team
1: yeah i think people kind of look too into the prospect pool the Bruins currently have and go, oh, this guy needs to fit here, this guy needs to fit here. Obviously, we do that, but you think about it, and it's like so much can change in just a few months. So much can change t- until then. I mean, they could make a trade and get a bunch of prospects. They could have a prospect kind of come out of nowhere, kind of like a Jack of Khan. You know I mean? Tori Krug was not projected to be who Tori Krug was going to be. I mean, I don't think many people saw him come out of college and go, oh, that's going to be your power play defenseman or your power play quarterback. Uh, for the next, you know, seven years. So I think that a lot of times, you know, the, the prospect pool isn't good with the Bruins right now. I mean, I, I agree. I don't think it's, I don't think it's top notch. I think it is a reason to be concerned, but so much can change. I mean, you look back, it's funny. You look back at the 20, like 2016, the 2006, like 2007 Bruins, you look at that team and there were so many minor moves during that year that ended up, I mean, you look at like, you know, Brad Stewart and Wayne Primo for Chuck Kobasu yeah. and Andrew Ferentz. Like at the time, you think like it's a nothing move, yeah. you know. Palmira for uh, I think it was either Aaron Ward or Dennis Wideman, um, and and in those situations, it's like you you don't think of it as like a big deal, but it ended up becoming. I mean, Andrew Ferrets was a key piece on that 2011 team, mm-hmm. so these minor moves uh, can take. I mean, look at the Charlie Coyle deal. You know, I I don't know if people kind of projected that to be as big as it ended up being for the Bruins. I also think Coyle's a guy who you can't underrate. He's signed long-term here. He's also someone who could be a potential number two center. The production just needs to be there. So um, I think the 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 issue is we just don't know what's going to happen. We don't. There's no way to know. There's no way to know what prospects you pick up, what free agents you sign. I mean, the here's the funny thing, though. Like you mentioned the Char free agent signing. I don't see the Bruins being a big player signing any big free agents over the next few years, especially considering how – down people look at signing free agents over 30 like yeah. was Char 30 when he signed here i Is believe he, he was
0: if yeah if he wasn't he was like 20 29 but i think it was 30 it was close yeah it was yeah i mean that was one where it was just like they desperately needed something after that the way that um that previous season panned out so
1: i mean if was, he's 43 we can do the math that 20, would be He's 29, he's so he's almost 30. So in yeah. today's day and age, you wonder, would a big guy like Chara, in a fast yeah. NHL, would he get that money? Would he, would teams be after him, the, I guess, the way they were? And I don't know if, like, I don't think in this NHL, signing free agents is the way to go. I think it's kind of widely agreed upon that it's scouting, drafting, you know, uh, doing it that route. So I don't know if, if the Bruins are going to go out and sign Who's a big free? I mean, Alex Ovechkin obviously doesn't count,
0: but um, <laughs> after he scores, you yeah, know, like 25 goals in like whatever 30, 31 games, we're gonna get this year. I know that
1: uh poor guy, uh, but yeah, I think the prospect aspect of it is kind of remains to be seen. But I agree, I don't think it's that great right now. Um, you look at the rest of the roster, management, and coaching. The athletic gave an 8.5 out of 10. I would agree. I think Cassidy's here for the long haul. Um, I think Sweeney is as well, but not as locked down just because he's a general manager. Ownership and market, uh, you can say what you want about the Jacobs. We've all done it before. Uh, the market is good, though. I mean, it's hard to beat Boston. Um, and then the salary cap situation will be a 6.5. You have a lot of money coming off the books soon. The thing is, though, I wonder what Pasternak wants um, on his next deal because he certainly proved that he's more valuable than the money he's making now. Right. If you remember back at the Stanley Cup Final in 2019, Matt Kalman asked something about, uh, money, and David Poshnock goes, I don't play, I don't play hockey for the money, Matt. Um, I don't know if you remember that. I, I, yeah. I do, cause, uh, how could you not? It was such a notable moment of the Stanley Cup final. Most notable, actually. Um, but yeah, I, I do wonder what they end up becoming. I do wonder if, you know, I remember when, when Tory Krug was, when it was Tori Krug questions, we were kind of like, you know, there's a chance the Bruins could be rebuilding here in the next few years. I mean, do you think they're, do you think they could be potentially headed for a rebuild after this upcoming season?
0: I mean, it, if, you know, this season doesn't pan out in terms of what their expectations are, I mean, let's say like they, I don't know, they get bounced by Toronto in the first round, like if it finally happens or something like that, then you might be like, that was All my right.
1: prediction last year. So I, yeah, I'm done I mean, predicting
0: that. So, uh, maybe that kind of forces, but I feel like, you know, with the way some of these guys are under contract, um, it's not like a full blown like I don't I'd be surprised to get like a full blown rebuild where it's just like all right, crazy's gone, Ras's gone, we trade other guys and we just kind of you know start Jeremy Swayman and like feed him to the wolves. Like, I feel like it's not going to be that. Yeah, it's going to be like Dan Vladar in Game Four of the uh combat, yeah. the second round. Um, like I feel it's more going to be like a rebuilding on the fly where it's you know. Um, you still got like a, at least a solid core in place and you're just, you know, adding more and more of these younger players, which I think you're kind of already seeing this year. if The roster kind of holds where it's Zaboral and, uh, Vakonainen and Clifton and Lozon, those guys fighting for minutes. I mean, um, it's not the most ideal situation for a team that you would expect is going all in, but that's kind of what I think you're going to see over the next couple of years with there's more and more guys kind of just getting incorporated into the lineup while still trying to be competitive, which when you've got a veteran core like this crew and you have got that top line, you can kind of, you know, get away with it on like most teams in terms of having areas of the roster that you're kind of having an open competition for. Because you're at least still gonna be, you know, buoyed by having that line, you know, produce the way it does, that power play, even without crew, we're still gonna get a bunch of points. Um so I think you're allowed the luxury of doing that. It's just that you need some of these guys to to hit, right? I mean, a lot of times, these rebuilding seasons is because you have so many vacancies and so many open spots for younger players that you're trying to see who fits where, and you're kind of doing it, kind of you know, uh, in the middle of a, a season now where you've got at least you know pieces in place that can kind of cover up some of those flaws as you try to see who's the best fit. It works out well that you know if the Bruins find out that a guy like Zboril is a legit player. Should be great for them and they go into the fall, you know, 2021, 20, 22 and you don't have to really worry on the, on the D line, on the blue line where you've got a guy like this then it works out great. You, you didn't have to like waste a year, you know, just trying to go through a revolving door of defensor in that spot. So, um, the way the Bruins are built, you know, they're allowed, I think they've, they're allowed the, the luxury of doing something like that. It's just that the players they're trying out in those spots you need to hit on them, right? They can't be guys that are, you know, you, you know, the tail end of the year, you still don't have anyone who's set into that role yet.
1: It's funny. You mentioned the whole using these younger guys like Borland Vacanin, and Clifton and Lausanne with the already set kind of cup contending lineup. And that kind of sounds like the 2014 15 and 2015 uh, 16 Bruins in a sense. Now, obviously, the 14 15 Bruins I felt were better than the 15 16 uh, team, but we always kind of look at those two years ago, oh, those are the dark ages. But in reality, they weren't. I mean, those were 90 point teams. They were fine. They just, didn't make the playoffs um but i i it's funny you think about that in that that was kind of the two years where they rebuilt on the fly um and i do wonder if the bruins are headed for something similar because i don't see them just saying we're, we're blowing the whole thing up we're gonna do a red wing style rebuild where we just literally put a stick of dynamite in the middle of the team and blow up the whole locker room i, I don't think that's gonna happen um but, you know, again, with the turnover you're experiencing, Rask, Krejci, Bergeron, I mean, you don't know, Achara as well, you don't know what the deal is with these guys. You, you know, Rask, because he wants to play beyond next year, he wants to play in Boston, okay. You know, but how you know, how good is he going to be in his mid-30s? Um, you know, wh- what kind of deal can they sign him to? You know, what's Krejci going to do? Krejci's always said he wants to go play in the Czech Republic uh to finish out his career. Is he going to do that? So, you're kind of at this point where, uh, there's a lot of questions, and you you really don't have all the answers. I mean, you look at you no, know, it's so hard to play off history because, like, you know, to go off of different history, you know, everything's different. Mm-hmm. But the 13-14 Bruins were the were, were like the best team in hockey by a mile. I mean, they were they were just the best. Yeah, obviously, they didn't win the cup or really go near it because the Canadians. But but you would never have predicted the next year they'd come out and miss the playoffs. Right. I mean, granted, they lost. Uh, no, they didn't lose Lucic going into that year. They lost Riley Smith. I think that was the only thing they lost.
0: Again, um, uh, well, if you go into the 15 right? I mean, they lose Ginla, and they lose, again, uh, and they lost Boychuk. Right? That was the other yes.
1: Gap. That was the trade. That was the year that they, they traded Boychuk for a second round pick to begin the year. I remember that. Yes, that was a big deal. Uh, by the way, Johnny Boychuk retired. I did we we didn't discuss that on either show last oh, week. Shame please. on us. Shame on us. Um, what a what a career uh for that guy! It's funny because I feel like the Islander, the Islander. I saw people on Islanders Twitter being like, "Oh, he start, you know, he started the Johnny Rocket here," and I and I was like, "No, no, he didn't. Like, not at all. Not yeah, even he close." Had a few
0: highlights here,
1: yes. Like when you think when you really like. Also, shout out to Fumi for pretty much having like every highlight. Uh, I saw Ty tweet this as well. Every highlight of like the past like fifteen years with Bruins yeah. history. Um, but I guess we're just going to switch to Johnny Boychuk here. Uh, it's funny. You think of like how fun he, he was such an embodiment of how fun those years were to watch the Bruins. Mm-hmm. Like during that time, like, Oh, to like 13 or even 14. How like fun those games were to watch. I mean, they were intense. They were hard hitting. I mean, they, like, if you're, if you're, you know, you're kind of like blue collar type people. That was a; those were fun teams to watch.
0: Oh yeah, and I mean he played a big role in that, and just you know the career he had too. I mean he was a guy that was kind of stuck down in the AHL, never really was given a chance. You know, goes to, you know gets moved to the Bruins organization, spends a whole year down in Providence, and I think he dominated. I feel like he had like sixty plus points in his, his like lone season in Providence. I think was with Bruce Cassidy, Um and then just kind of makes makes a jump up and just becomes a. Key cog on that blue line. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, everyone remembers him for, you know, that the slap shot that he was never afraid to, uh, to take. But I mean, he was <laughs> to, you know, throwing the body around just being a kind of a guy. I mean, especially I think in the 2013 playoffs, I feel like he was, you know, dynamite for all that, um, that whole cup run. I mean, uh, you know, I, I just a guy that seemed like, you know, he's loved in the locker. I remember quite a few, you know, beat riders were, were talking about how much that, that late trade from, uh, to the Islanders really kind of impacted that Bruins locker room to catch a close guy in the locker room. And I think that was right before the season started. I think it was like October. September. Oh, yeah. The, the very it might have season.
1: been. I, it was very early. I mean, it was very yeah. right
0: before the season. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a shame that it kind of has to end on kind of terms that he, you know, uh, terms that he didn't set, you know, suffering that eye injury and kind of the, the damage he took where he said that, you know, even though he's able to play in, in the Toronto bubble, he's still got issues with peripheral vision and optic nerve damage and stuff like that. So made the right call, obviously deciding to, to retire and not risk it there. But, um, it is, you know, even, even a guy like him, a veteran who's played a lot of years, won a cup. It's always a shame when you kind of can't dictate your terms on when you want to walk away from the game. But, um, again, a guy who, Went from, you know, an AHL guy to someone who stepped up and became a, a key cog on uh, quite a few great teams. So, you know, I mean, he's had an incredible career. Should oh, for,
1: for sure. Uh, absolutely. And uh, I could absolutely see him getting in coaching as well. I could totally see him on the coaching side of things. I think he mentioned in his uh, press conference, like, oh, I might win a cup on the other side. And I don't think he meant that as like a broadcaster. I think he meant, you know, how the broadcasters yeah. get cups. I think he meant like, oh, I'm going to be a coach or a GM. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, Johnny Boychuk. Absolute legend around here. Um, hardest hits in the world. Great at, uh, the, the um, the low bridge hits. The, yeah. the, uh, the hip checks. Amazing at him. You got Patrick Sharp really good back in mm-hmm. 2013. And then there were so many notable hits. I mean, you just like the hit on, um, that guy from the Sabres. Oh, what was his name? I don't remember his name, but coming he over the
0: blue. Rock them, yeah. And he's, he had to get off the ice.
1: Yeah. And you just see him kind of like he doubled over getting off the ice. I mean, that was kind of an embodiment of that uh, Sabres series, but shout out Johnny Chuck, an amazing career, um, and one that uh, I don't think Bruins fans will forget anytime soon. But uh, that is today's episode of Bruins. Before I let you go, Connor, is there anything that you'd like listeners to uh, to look out for?
0: Yeah, we're going to be kind of following the ongoing negotiations with the NHL and PA this week. It's probably going to be a pretty critical week. I think we say that every week, but especially now, I mean, they're still not budgeting with this January 1st start date, which if that's the case, uh, you better hurry up soon because you need training camp to start in about two weeks and you really want that, which I think at this point seems like a long shot to say the least, but even if you're pushing the season back into February, you need to start making traction on a new season and kind of putting these parameters in place. So I think it's going to be a really crucial week for all parties involved, so we'll have all the latest there over at BostonSportsJournal.com, so subscribe there. And uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Connor Ryan underscore 93.
1: Go do all that. And for CLNS Media, I'm Ev Marinovsky. You Brewers listeners have a great rest of your week.